You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. All right, if you're turning with me today, we're going to start in Genesis 12. But today, I want to talk to you about the adventure or the purpose that God has for you. I feel like that God has an adventure, that God has a purpose for every human that was ever born. Everyone he ever created, he's got a purpose for us. He's he's got an adventure for you. And you don't have to walk in that. You don't have to live in that. It's a choice. So, some of us like adventure and some of us don't. Right? Raise your hand if you would say you like adventure. And, all right, all right, all right, okay, you can put your hands back down. See, even in that, I say raise your hand if you like adventure and the really adventurous people, y'all popped up your hands right away. And then a bunch of other people were like, oh, well, they're raising their hands. Okay, I guess I'll raise my hand. Y'all weren't adventurous. The other half of y'all that ended up with your hands raised, you're really not. You're a pretty good follower, and you like to think you're adventurous, but you're, you're not. All right, it was them first few that popped their hands up when I first said it. Y'all are. And then some of you just know you're not, and you kept them down. So I don't even know why I said that. You know what, you know what adventure means? Because <laughs> God has an adventure for you. God has an adventure for your life, something exciting, something powerful, something big. And so I was thinking about that, thinking along those lines, and I looked up, you know, the word adventure, it means to engage in hazardous and exciting activity, especially the exploration of unknown territory. Now, in the natural, that sounds scary for some of us. But spiritually, the unknown becomes awesome because it might be unknown to me, but it's not unknown to God. So in the natural, that may scare me because it's unknown. But if I learn to trust God so much spiritually that when I'm going on his adventure and I'm obeying him, I'm not scared anymore because it's not unknown to him. He's not stuck on a timeline like me. He's not here in... 2018 he is here in 2018 but he's also in the future it's not unknown to him it's his territory so if we learn to really trust him then instead of scary it becomes exciting because even when we can't see what's around the next bend, we're excited because we trust so much that, that we're walking in obedience and we're headed towards where he told us to head. And so I can't wait to see what he's got next. I can't wait for him to reveal something else. It's an adventure. But it will be hazardous. Mm. Even when I'm following his adventure, it'll be hazardous. It'll be hazardous to a purposeless life. It's going to be hazardous to my comfort zone. It's definitely going to be hazardous to selfishness. (laughs) Because when I'm following purpose, I can't be selfish. And a lot of times I can't be comfortable. But it's worth it. Because I can have peace. I think sometimes we get the wrong idea and we think that comfort is what we need to have peace. Y'all excuse my voice today. (laughs) You notice I couldn't sing much. Sound like I'm about 13. Peace. Comfort is not what we need to have peace. It's not. When we're walking in the will of God and listening to his voice, our surroundings may be scary and not not be comfortable. But we can have peace in the middle of the storm like Jesus. So you notice I got the chair here. 
this morning. This is my comfortable chair. This was actually used to be Jessie's chair until I took it over. And then she rearranged our room and decided there was no room for the chair at the house. So I brought the chair up to my office. And it was one of the best decisions I've made. This chair is comfortable. If you want to try it out, I'll sell tickets afterwards. (laughs) It's got a double cup holder. You can take two beverages, different flavors, at the same time. Or you can take a drink and a popcorn chicken bowl. Or something like that. This is a comfortable chair. It lays back. You can fall asleep in it. Anybody got a favorite chair? We have a chair at the house called the cowboy chair. It's in Malachi's room now. And at least once a year, Jesse starts the discussion. Can we please take the cowboy chair to the dump? And me and all three of my sons fight for the cowboy chair every year, at least once a year. And it's a debate. It's a discussion. She says it's nasty. It's old. There are holes worn through it. The stuffing's coming out. And it's rough, but it's comfortable, and it's cool. And so we make deals. Okay, we'll cover it with a blanket. Can we keep it if it's covered with a blanket? She still wants to get rid of it. We all want to keep it. We outvote her. Every time. It's... Y'all know what the number one name brand, number one brand of recliners is? I bet you can guess. Right. Lazy Boy. What a wonderful name. The Lazy Boy. It's the best-selling recliner there is. Why don't they call it the Risky Boy? Or the Active Boy? I mean, it's called the Lazy Boy. I'm actually kind of getting ahead of myself in my notes here. All right, let me back up a little bit. I wrote down a couple of quotes. Listen to this. I'm in my comfort zone here, if you're wondering. This is my comfort zone. Okay, a lot of times God calls us out of our comfort zones. Um, You never change your life until you step out of your comfort zone. Change begins at the end of your comfort zone. I think a lot of us, just like in that song that Dylan just sang, praying for change to come. We want change. We're praying that God change my life. God change my situation. But we're not willing to step out of our comfort zone. We're not willing to get up out of the chair because it feels too good with our, our feet propped up. But change begins at the end of your comfort zone. I heard about this boy that he may have been a little awkward. And he walked up to this girl that he liked, and he said, Hey, can I take you out? She said, Out of what? My comfort zone? All right, we'll come back to the chair in a minute. Hold on. I need to get back up here. It seems like the older we get, the less adventurous we become. And the more we seek comfort. If you think about it, as humans, the older we get, the more valuable comfort is. And the let, you know, I don't really want to go for an adventure. Nah, I got to work this week. I'm, I don't want to do anything that might get me hurt. I got to be careful. That's just kind of how we're taught that it's supposed to go. So I'm going to be mature and responsible. Look at Genesis 12. Let's look at this 75-year-old dude. He was just about to get started on what God had called him to do. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country 
and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. So God didn't even tell him where to go. He just said, get away from where you're living and get away from your kinfolk and get out of there. And I'll, I'll show you where to go. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. I will, I will, I will. And you'll be a blessing. You know what's better than being blessed? Than being able to be a blessing to somebody else? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So... Here in those few verses, we see God, and we know that Abraham, if we read that chapter before, was where he was because of his father went there, and his father stopped and got stuck and wouldn't move on. His father was the one that was supposed to go on to the promised land, but he stopped, and he stayed. And so now Abram gets the call and, and what we just read, God's like, yo, Abe, yo, Abe, Abram. He was 75, he might have been hard of hearing. Yo, Abe, pick up and go. So Abram's like, where? And God says, oh, to the place that I'll show you. Huh? I'm going to need a little more than that. You want me at 75 to pack up all my stuff and all my servants and all my animals and I got money and I got wealth and things are going good for me. Life is good. I'm okay. And he was doing good. It wasn't like he was in this horrible place and he's like, oh God, send me somewhere and save me. No, he was good. And God said, go. And he's like, well, go where? And God said, I'll show you. I just need you to go. Why? That's faith. If God told him every little step of the journey and how it was going to work out and how he was going to get there and how he was going to make it happen, then there's no faith required. Uh, but I don't like that. I'd like to know. Go to a place that I will show you. This doesn't make sense. Things are good here. And a father of many nations? I tell you what, God, how about you give me one kid? I'd settle for a kid. Like, I don't even have a son or a daughter. You know, I'm a father of many nations. We're kind of getting the cart before the horse, aren't we? I tell you what, how about I stay here? This is what we would do. How about I stay here where I'm okay? And you give me a kid, and then I realize that, okay, well, I guess you are going to do what you say, and then we'll talk about me moving somewhere. I'm just thinking about how one of us would be if God came to us and said that. The father of many nations, I don't even have a kid. See, we want God or the calling to make sense. But faith, by my definition... Here's my definition of faith. The absence of sense. No, that's not the Greek definition or some Webster. That's my definition, okay? It's the absence of sense. Because whenever I see somebody step out on faith or when God's called me to really have faith, it doesn't make sense. It just don't make a whole lot of sense. Look at Hebrews 11, 1. Hebrews 11, 1. I'm going to read this to you in the King James, and then I also want to read it to you in NIV because I like how it words it. But um, faith doesn't make sense. So here in Hebrews is what we call like the hall of faith, and he's going to start naming all of the, the champions of our faith and the heroes of the faith. But look, look how this starts in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now tell me if this sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Logical. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things that I'm hoping for. Huh. 
That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The evidence of things not seen. Oh, it's the evidence of something that you can't see. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand... Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not were not made of things which do appear look at hebrews 11 in the niv this will make more sense this makes it logical now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Okay, it doesn't make sense. And then the Bible tells us that Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith or trust or this, it doesn't make sense. And without stepping out on that faith and doing what he says before we can make sense of it, we'll never see the real purpose that he has for us. It makes no sense, but that's what faith is. When God speaks, it doesn't have to make sense. And there's a blessing on the other side of that step. Every time. God doesn't ask us to make sense out of it all. Thank God. Because we serve the God of the impossible. So my question for you today is, will you take a risk? Will you risk Would you risk it all to do what God's called you to do? They did a survey um, where they interviewed 50 people all over the age of 95. So they did an interview with these people, and all 50 people were over 95 years old. Now, this should be pretty interesting what, what they asked them. And the question that they asked them is, if you could go back and do life again... What would you do different? To me, I heard about the survey and I thought this should be pretty interesting because these are all people that are over 95. They've lived a pretty long life so far. They should have some collective wisdom. They've been through a lot. Um, I mean, if you ask a 13-year-old, you know, if you could go back and do your life again, what would you do different? They don't hold that much weight yet. So... All of these 50 people, over 80% of them, their answers were that they would go back and take more risk. That they all agreed and said at different times that they regret the things that they didn't do or didn't try more than the things that they did do that didn't turn out so good. They wish they could go back and try. Ask that girl to marry them. Try to get that job. Apply themselves. Take more risks. Take more vacations. Do more crazy things. Step out. Take a risk. Try it. Got two questions for you. Are you more committed to the future or the past? Right now in your life, are are you committed more to the future and what God is doing and is going to do in your future? Or are you still committed to the past? What happened to you before, good or bad? Could be either way. The second question, comfort zone or calling? Because they don't go hand in hand. You're going to have to pick. 
You want your comfort zone? Or do you want the high calling that Paul talks about? The purpose. Calling. What's it going to be? Because you've got to make a decision. Romans eleven twenty nine. Look at Romans eleven twenty nine. Look what Paul said. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and the calling are two different things. You have gifts. Every person has gifts. You have things that you're good at. And you also have a calling. And sometimes we get that mixed up. And that can be a really bad thing. Gifts, that word that, that Paul used there for gifts, um, it was translated gifts. It's a Greek word. And you know what it means? Charisma is the main meaning of that word is charisma. Something you're passionate about, your, your heart's in it. Your, it means charisma. And calling, that word that he used there for calling was station in life, call, calling, the situation, your, your call or your purpose, your calling. So our gifts or our charisma draws people to us. It'll draw people to you. What you're good at, what you're talented at, what you're, you're passionate about. But the calling is what you were born to do. And lots of times there's tension between the charisma and the call. Your gift is what you love to do. Your call is what you live to do. Your gift will open doors for you, but your calling will help you open doors for other people. Gifts are about passion. And calling is about purpose. You gotta separate those two in your mind. They're not the same thing. They can work together. And it can be a great thing how God designed it. He gave you gifts for a reason. But a gift is given. If I give you a gift, you don't have to earn it. It was just it was given to you. You were born being able to sing or not. Or whatever your gift is, it was given to you. But your calling's not handed to you. That's the prize that Paul was talking about, the prize of the high calling. I press, I fight, I run this race so that I can win. Because a calling is something that's earned. You gotta win it. You gotta push for it. You gotta press for it. I was given giftings. And I'm grateful for those giftings because you know what those giftings will do? If I chase my calling and not chase my giftings, if I chase my calling, then my giftings are going to help me win the prize. That was the purpose. But if I start chasing my giftings, oh, I got a little bit of talent in that area. I'm going to chase that for selfish reasons to make myself money or fame or fortune or whatever, now I'm chasing a gifting and it's not to help other people or to further the kingdom or to be what I'm called to be. It's chasing after something that I'm good at or I'm talented at. That's not the way God designed it. I'm supposed to be chasing my purpose and my call and my giftings come alongside and enable me to do that better. And they give me passion. To push and to be what I'm called to be and to win that prize. Giftings given. The call, the purpose, that's earned. If you will chase your calling, your giftings will support it. But if you chase your giftings, then you may never find your purpose. Oh, I don't have a purpose. Yeah, you do. Every human has one. 
Everybody's got a purpose. But you got to chase it. Remember when Elijah came by Elisha and he was not walking in his purpose or his calling? He was out there plowing and Elijah threw his mantle, his like jacket, but it was a symbol of who you are and your calling and it said that he was the leader of the school of the prophets. Like it, it meant a lot and he threw it at him and then the Bible tells us he just kept on walking and Elisha had the choice, ah, what do I do? I'm comfortable here plowing. Like, I'm comfortable. I know what I'm doing here, and I can just stay here and work, and I got these oxen. But that's something better. You don't think Elisha was scared of the unknown, of following this weird prophet? What am I supposed to do? Pick up his jacket and run and give it back to him? Yep. And as we know from reading the story later, when he got called up, guess who got the jacket? So apparently he picked it up and ran and gave it back to him because somehow he got it back. And he killed the oxen and he burned the plows to say, I'm never going back. I can't go back to that, but guess what? He had to chase it. He had to go after it. Hey, there's my purpose and there it goes. Purpose does not have a parking spot. It ain't going to sit and wait on you. It'll come by just like Jesus did with the disciples. Hey, come follow me. And then he walked on. And they had to choose to come or not. He didn't sit there and wait and play three more verses of amazing grace to try to get Peter to step out of the boat. You got to chase your purpose, go after it. That's faith. All right, so let's talk about the chair some more. We get stuck in our comfort zones. And we keep wanting to go back to our old chairs, to our lazy boy. And as I think about the giftings and the callings and the thing that things that God is showing us individually of what our call is and hey God the new year is coming what will we do this year to be different than we've been before how can we expand our borders how can we we live bigger lives than we've ever lived before like we don't want to be stuck in what's comfortable to us because this didn't used to be comfortable but now it's become comfortable so it's time to get out of the chair there's nothing wrong with getting comfortable but you can't get stuck in your chair well you can most people do at some point in life people find their chair where they're comfortable and they never get out and i could be talking about a job or it could be talking about a ministry or it can be talking about even in a relationship or a marriage or you, you get to a place where you settle and you think it's good enough. And you stay in that chair. And you sit there. And that's the worst thing we can do spiritually. Because it's like giving up. Well, I'm never going to grow anymore. I'm not going to take, I'm good with this. You know what, I'm good in my chair. And I don't want to get stuck there. And I don't want any of us to get stuck there. You know what you call it? Um... If you lay around all day wasting time, people call you a couch, couch potato. I don't know why it's called a potato and a vegetable. It's not that bad for you. I'd call it a couch candy or something, but anyways, I look around in the, the church as a whole, and I see a lot of church potatoes, lot of church potatoes that just get comfortable coming in and sitting in church and they don't give and they don't serve and they don't chase their purpose and they're just good to come and sit it's okay if i i don't ever change and 
it almost seems like we don't get it. You ever been in a relationship or you've been around somebody that just doesn't really get what's going on? You kind of feel like you can't be real with them. Like he doesn't get it. Like I heard about this guy, and he, and he got up, and I guess his wife was just done. Their marriage had gotten so bad in their relationship. He got up, and he went to the refrigerator to get himself something to drink, and there was a note hanging on the fridge. And the note was simple. All the note said was, this isn't working anymore. Goodbye. So the guy opens the refrigerator door, swings it back and forth. He said, no, that's still working. He looks in, the light's on, reaches his hand in and fills the milk. Still cold. Seems like it's working fine to me. He got a drink and went back to bed. Bye. You ever been around people that just don't really get what's going on? Let's not be that kind of church. Let's not be that kind of Christians that don't really get what's going on and we're all just church potatoes living in our comfort zones. We're just living in our comfy chairs. How? How are we going to do it? Now, a lot of times the questions I get is, how are we going to do it, Pastor? What are we going to do? How, pretty much, how are you going to fix this? I got three things that we can do. First one, leave your comfort zone. Step out. Don't just sit back where you're comfortable. You've got to leave your comfort zone if you ever want to do something big for God. To chase your purpose is not going to be comfortable, especially when you first step out. Comfort zones and callings do not go hand in hand. Ask Abraham and Moses and David and ultimately, let's ask Jesus how comfortable he was. I don't think any of us are called to be as uncomfortable as Jesus was. And if you want to go after your call or your purpose, then you're going to need to leave the place or the chair that you're in. Will I have comfort? Like when I walk in my calling, am am I going to have any comfort? Yeah. Yeah. You will have comfort, but it won't come from the chair or the surroundings. It won't come from your circumstances. Your comfort or your peace will come from who you're with, not what you've surrounded yourself with. We're never supposed to get comfort from things. That's a lie. You look in the Bible and read. We don't get comfort from things. We're supposed to get it from God and the relationships that he has in our life. So, yeah, you'll have comfort, but it won't come from your chair. It'll come from who you're with. Now, God will give you a challenge every single day, and you choose the chair or the challenge. You get to choose. The more times you choose the challenge, the better it gets. The closer you get to the call, you start to hear him and he starts to give you more and more. I'm going to wrap it up. Look at Ephesians 2.10. This is familiar. We can probably about quote it. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So you're God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece, some translations say. And you were created for what? Unto good works. You were created to do good things for a purpose, for a plan, for a reason. God has things that he wants you to do. We're his workmanship. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. 
had a purpose and a plan for you. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should sit and bask in them. Not what it says. That we should walk in them. What does that mean? There's something for you to do. To walk in them. Not to just sit in your chair and think about them. That we should walk in them. What are you saying? Get up. What does walk mean? It's kind of like a controlled fall. Y'all ever watched Azalea walk around? And the sad thing is, a lot of us are like little babies because we're just learning how to walk. We're trying to get out of our chair. We've been sitting in that chair for a long time. When you watch a baby learn how to walk, you know what they do? They kind of lean forward until they're about to fall, and then they use that foot and catch themselves, and they catch themselves. And sometimes it's a faster, 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 trying to get a foot, try to get a foot, try to get a foot so I don't fall down. It's even harder for Rutherford babies because their heads are so big. Kind of top-heavy, all of us. (laughs) I'm talking about myself, too. (laughs) Uh, it's a controlled fall so guess what sometimes that's scary before this foot is planted and I'm falling and I already left my secure place of safety and I hadn't landed yet that's a scary spot right there but then when it lands I can take another one and I'm moving forward and when I learn to trust God who told me to go that way then that becomes exciting and not scary It's exciting that I can walk, look. And then I'm looking around saying, did y'all see that? Yay. And I can see my father smiling from ear to ear. That's what God wants to do with you. Walk. Why? So you can see how proud I am of you. Take another step. Walk. That's dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. Sometimes Azalea falls down and gets hurt. Bumps and bruises and boo-boos and there are mistakes and you fall down. and It's okay. That's part of the process. It's kind of scary. Sometimes it's hard, but what's your option? You can sit. You cannot walk. You cannot gain ground. You can never grow up. Paul said, I press toward the prize. If you're leaning backwards, it's really hard to press. Go, go, gadget, purpose. That doesn't work. I wish. There goes my mantle. Get it. Nope. I got to go get it. Second one, focus on Jesus. We got to focus on Jesus. So first one, leave your comfort zone. Second one, focus on him. Look at Hebrews 3. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. Hebrews 3, 1. So my dear Christian friends, companions, in following this call to the heights... Take a good, hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Faithful in everything God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets far more honor. A builder is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house. But it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. Christ as son is in charge of the house. He's in charge of the house. Of what house? This house. Remember, in John, Jesus said, In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, you're... We're the house. Paul said, no, you're not, that you are the temple of the living God. 
you're his dwelling place. In this house, you're the temple, you're the house. So what's he telling us? The writer of Hebrews is saying, look at Jesus. Stop trying to find yourself and find him. And he'll show you who you are. You waste a whole lot of time trying to find yourself. Look for him. Look at him. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. Third one. Invest in the call. You've got to invest in the call. Invest what? Your time, your talents, and your treasure. You've got to be investing in it. It's just like any other a natural sport. You can't just sit there. Look, You look at these guys today, there's going to be all kind of NFL games on TV. Guess what? They can't just sit there eating at buffets in the whole off season and never show up to any kind of training camps or practices and no weight rooms and no workouts and then show up and play professional football. Forget about it. You're disqualified. What about a, a fighter or a boxer that just didn't work out? You guys know I, I fought in brawl for a cause last year. So what if I just sat around and let myself gain a whole bunch of weight and get up to about 300 pounds and didn't work out and didn't get in shape. And then they called me up and say, hey, we're wondering if you want to come back and fight and brawl for a cause. And I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. I'm going to get my butt kicked when I crawl into that ring. Why? Because I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared to do what I'm getting called to do. So either I have to say no thank you, appreciate the offer, I'm going to stay in my chair and go nowhere, or I can accept the call and crawl in the ring and fail and think, well, dang, I should have stayed in my chair. But either way, it's because I haven't been investing. I'm not prepared to go where I'm getting called to go. So when God gives the call, I want to be ready. Well, have I been listening for the past however long that he's been giving me instructions on what to do to get ready? Have I been obeying even if it didn't make sense? Well, God, why would I need to study that? Well, God, why would I need to have that meeting? Well, God, why would I need to prepare that? God, why would I need to look at that area of my finances? God, why, whatever God's been speaking. If I've ignored all of that, then when I hear the call of the big vision, hey, it's time to go, here's the fight, here's the game, here's the prize, you want it? Yeah, I want it, but I'm not prepared. And most of us come to that place at some point in life and we just stay in the chair. No thanks. I'm not a runner. I'm not a fighter. I'm not an athlete. I'm not that smart. I'm not. No, you're just not prepared. You could win this thing if you had been preparing for the last six weeks, two years, four years. I don't know how long God's been speaking to you or how long you've been not listening. And I'm talking to myself too. I don't want to be stuck in the chair because I'm not prepared. So what do I got to do? Invest in the call. You've got to invest in the call. Desire without discipline doesn't accomplish much at all. I can desire to be the world's greatest harmonica player, but if I don't have the discipline to practice and learn how to play the harmonica, I'm still horrible. You can want it all day long. I want to be what God's called me to be. I want to touch the nations. I want to, but you got no discipline. You're not going to accomplish much. And guess what? If you won't invest in it, why would somebody else? If you won't invest in your calling and your purpose, why would somebody else want to come alongside you or follow you? 
Pastor Bruce says that declaration is a good thing. It's good to declare a thing. That declaration is a good thing, but declaration without investing is almost pointless. If you're not willing to then invest, you're just talking. That's why what we're talking about here is like, that's why like January, all the gyms are slammed full of people. You have to like wait in line to use a dumbbell. But then if you hold out until like around right now, I go up there to Club Fitness in Carrollton. Around the holiday season, towards the end of the year, it is wide open. You can do any workout you want to do in there. There's treadmills open and stair machines open and weights are open. Nobody in there right now. They'll all be back in there January. Leave your comfort zone. Focus on Jesus and invest in the call. So what's your calling? What's your purpose in life? What are your gifts? What has God gifted you with or your gifts or your passion? What are you passionate about? Here's a clue. The call will always help other people. Your call or your purpose is never going to be just about you. It's always to help other people. So you have a passion to play guitar. Good. That's a gift. What's your call or your purpose? To go play bars, to get girls, to make money, to be famous? Like, what is it? What's your purpose with that gift? So to chase or invest, you need to see it. Kind of hard to invest in something you don't see. It's kind of hard to chase after something that you can't see or you don't really know what it is or you don't, you don't have a vision of what it is. What am I chasing? So you need a clear vision of your call. Let me tell you what I know. Vision will give pain a purpose. If you can see it, you have a vision, then it's okay. You can see that even your pain has a purpose. You can see God's hand working through it. Get a vision. Get behind a leader that has a vision that scares you. People ask me, what's the church's vision? And I say, what's your vision? Because it'll connect. Well, I don't know. What is it that moves you? What is it that you feel stirring? When is it when you drive through a rough neighborhood with boarded up windows? Do you does it move you? Do you feel like I got to do something? I need to. Does it compassion? Is it sympathy? That moves you to action? Or no? Is it children without parents? Is that what moves you? Whenever you hear about that, about some kids that have nobody, or is it victims of trafficking? Does that move you? Maybe you're good with money. And you see people struggling. Well, do something. Start a small group for people that are struggling with their finances and share some of your wisdom and impart that to them. I don't know what it is for you. But you got to get a vision. It's going to take Relationships. I guarantee you that you're going to have to be in relationship to walk out your call and your purpose. You cannot do it on your own. 
If you can, it's probably not a call or a purpose from God. It might be a good one. It might be okay, not sin, but God's purpose and God's call is going to be bigger than you can do on your own. My prayer for you is the same that Elisha prayed for his servant. God, open our eyes. God, let us see. Give us clear vision. God, we want to be big. Help us to be phenomenal. The word phenomenal means exceedingly or unbelievably great. God created you to be phenomenal in the kingdom. Exceedingly and unbelievably great. And phenomenal attracts phenomenal. What if we had a whole church full of phenomenal people that weren't willing to stay in the chair? What kind of impact could we make on the world? Not on Waco, on the world. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we don't want to get stuck in a chair somewhere. Stuck in our comfort zone. Worrying about how to keep ourselves comfortable for the rest of our life. and We want to reach out and touch somebody. We want to be remembered. We want to be phenomenal. We want to make a difference in the world and in the kingdom. And God, we're willing to walk. We're willing to step out in faith. We're willing to be what you've called us to be. We're not satisfied with staying where we are. And we'll get up and move because we would rather have the peace that comes from you than the comfort that comes from the chair. God, I'd rather have the security that comes from you and the relationships that you've placed in my life than the security of the the surroundings that I can provide for myself. Remind us what's really important. We're listening for you. Continue to speak. God, give each one of us a clear vision of the purpose that you have for our life and help us to come along beside each other for the collective vision that you have for all of us. God, we love you. We thank you for your power. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue to speak and move and touch. Heal the sick among us. You're awesome. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.